This podcast covers all things health, your body, your brain, and your well-being. Each week, we'll be joined by doctors, as well as the occasional guest, to talk about the health topics that mean the most to you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And, and so, so from a functional perspective, that starts to give us uh, insight into the case. Now, if it's just parts of the intestines that are, uh, are, are, are uh, tender, that tells us something. Because a tender large intestines tells us different things than a tender small intestine tells us. And, uh, and, and one causes different types of symptoms from the other one. One might be small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. One might be irritable bowel syndrome. One, you might be in an area where you go, ooh, we better start looking for ulcerative colitis or celiac or Crohn's disease or something along those lines. And yes, you can tell things, you can tell a lot of things from palpating the abdomen, a lot. Are there, okay, do they have alligator skin or, or, or do they have flaky skin on their shins, okay? Flaky skin on the shins, folks, is, and now we live here in, in, in the high desert. So here in Reno, we're like right where the high desert starts. We have these beautiful mountains on one side that have all these trees, and we have mountains on the other side that are totally barren. It's the desert, okay? And we're, we're 5,000, 4,000, we're 4,000 feet here, something like that. And, um, and so everybody thinks it's the desert. Everybody thinks it's, uh, it's the dry air that we get, but it's not. The vast majority of the time, it's their thyroid. Or it's a lack of fat, essential fatty acids. And you'll understand why uh, essential fatty acids are important to us in our next episode because we're going to talk about foundational things for you to get better. Essential fatty acids is one of those. So that can tell us. We, we compare that to their history and we go, whoa, we may have, we have, we have to pack these people full of fish oil before we get going to, to be able to, to, to get their essential fatty acids up, something which we'll talk about before. But we saw that. We saw that. And we've already palpated their thyroid. Do they have a thyroid problem or not? Well, look, it looks like it might be thyroid, it might be essential fat, but we can test for it. We now know, okay, we should test them for essential fatty acid deficits, or we, or we don't. They're fine. We look at their feet, or their feet turn blue and cyanotic. Does it change when they go from sitting to standing? Um, if it does, we know, again, that we're looking at a stress response. So, um, we look at their nails. We look at we look at your nails. If you you know if you if your if your nail health isn't good, we look at that. That has a number of different meanings, which I won't get into all of them at, at this point in time. Um, let's see. So the, I think those are the main ones from a general functional medicine perspective. Um, you, know, you generally will 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 you would generally observe the patient for do they have energy, are they slumped? Um, you'll look. Oh, well, we we do a neurological exam too, but some things cross over. The one thing that we did do, or that we we've done from the beginning in uh, um, in functional medicine, is look in people's eyes with a uh, uh, with a little pen light, and if your eyes dilate. 
and they stay dilated or they don't contract when we put the, uh, when we put the, pen, pen, uh, the pen light in there, then that means that your brain is in chronic fight flight. For those of you who watched us, know us, um, that's a big deal. For those of you who don't know us, um, what we have found is being in a chronic stress cycle is the X factor. We, we've been doing this a long time, so we tend to get people who've been to other practitioners and, uh, and many other, uh, other practitioners who may have found a gut problem and, and did the right thing with them. They, they gave them the right herbs, they gave them the right botanical, they put them on the right diet, and the person's gut either felt better for a little while and then didn't or, or never got better. And uh, there, there are a number of reasons for that, and, and it, it can be confusing for, for the practitioner if they don't realize that, that a fight-flight mechanism will flood your system with stress hormones It'll cause inflammation, it'll cause constipation, it'll cause decreased blood supply, and you're fighting that brain. Okay, so you, so you, need, to, you need to have more than just a form or, you, or just an adrenal stress test to know if that person's brain is in fight-flight. Adrenal stress test, for those of you who are more schooled in these things, tells us about the brain, but it tells us more about uh, something called the hippocampus and, how, and, and the amygdala in the hippocampus mostly hippocampus, and how that's affecting your adrenal glands. And that's, for those of you who are already schooled into that, for the other ones, I'm sorry for, for going off into that area. Um, we do reflexes, okay? We do, well, if, if, if a person has global reflex decreases, usually it means, um, to us, usually it means they have a lack of oxygen. And, and so these are physiological aspects. You hear me talk about oxygen. You didn't hear me talk about blood sugar today, but that's foundational. We talk about essential fatty acids. We talk about picking up thyroid. We talk about picking up a probable leaky gut, picking these things up on the exam. And we've already talked about the history. History and exam are supposed to go together. Now, I'm not gonna go into this extensively. We also do functional neurology, and in our world, we have found that doing the brain rehabilitation exercises in um, more significant stress cases um, tends to be very successful. Uh, and um, uh, well, contributes to success, let me put it that way. And we do peripheral neuropathy too. And peripheral neuropathy is largely neurological problems where you're having abnormal nerve pain, mostly in your feet and shins and sometimes into your, and sometimes into your hands. So we do a classic neurological exam for that, which is appropriate. But I am surprised at how many people come in here and they don't know whether they have peripheral neuropathy or not because they went to their doctor and the doctor did a nerve conduction velocity test and uh, an EMG. So for those of you who aren't familiar with peripheral neuropathy or that, uh, you, you might get numbness, tingling, burning in your hands or your feet, mostly in your feet, you might get numbness. And then these tests stick needles in there and they find out if electricity is going to your muscles or, if, or they find out if your nerve's not working right. These tests are, um, they're not real accurate. So they can, they can tell you if you have it sometimes. They, they can't tell you where it is, and they can't tell you what kind it is, and there's 80 different types of peripheral neuropathy. You can get enormously more data out of an exam. So for example, it's, and, and the exam is so simple, it's like ridiculous. You can, you, can put, you, can, you can do hot and cold temperature testing on the person to see if they're not sensitive to it or too sensitive to it, to heat, to cold, Either one of those means your small fiber nerves, if they're abnormal, means your small fiber nerves are breaking down. If somebody's hitting you with a pin and you're uber hypersensitive, 
you're in the early state, you may be in the early stages of small fiber neuropathy. Uh, if, if you don't feel it at all, you may be in the later stages of it. If your reflexes are absent, you probably have small fiber neuropathy. If, you, if, if somebody puts a, a vibration plate, a vibration tuning fork on your toe and it doesn't work, uh, I mean, you don't feel it, that's a large fiber. Um, and, and, but it also happens to be something that is involved a lot for in, 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 in small fiber neuropathies. So the point is, not that I expected you like to, I, I'm not saying this so that you grasp each one and write it all down. That's a small fiber neuropathy evaluation. You can actually make a diagnosis off of doing an exam. I go back to the fact that in the day, that's how we had to diagnose a small fiber neuropathy. And, and there are other things that will tell you if it's a large fiber neuropathy. That exam further will tell you, is it the low back that's causing that person's leg problem? Or is it, is it, or is it that they actually have a neuropathy and a small fiber neuropathy is in the low back? It's, it's either thyroid or, it's, or it can be thyroid or it can be, believe it or not, gluten. It can be autoimmune. Uh, it can, it, uh, most commonly, it's prediabetes. Um, and, and, there's, and, and there's a handful of other things that can be. It could be bad bacteria in your gut, it could be food sensitivities, but there's only about eight things it is. So now you've done a diagnosis through an, through an evaluation, you've found that the person's probably got small fiber neuropathy, you double check it with their history, and you go, yes, small fiber neuropathy, let's go. Or we can, there are actually better tests for that. They're extremely expensive. They're not completely accurate. You know, so we can decide with the patient whether we go and do those tests or not. I have a little bit more, I think, a willingness to go with the exam and, 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 and the history and, and, and targeted testing, simply because that's the way I, I grew up. That's the way I was taught. It was normal to me. And, and I've been through uh, the, the, the world of all the tests are normal, or even I, I am a chiropractor. Uh, too, and, and so even, uh, even when I was doing strictly musculoskeletal, can tell you the number of people who came in here, and they had a nine millimeter disc in their back that the doctor was pointing out, that was, said, that's the problem. They took the surgery uh, and, and nothing changed. We did an evaluation on them and found out it was muscle. And, and put the person through a, you know, a mini two, three, four week rehab and they were fine. So just looking at the MRI in that case was a disaster. The per they did not do an exam to find out that all of the testing for disc problems would have been not would have been normal. They would not have been. They would have not have shown. They probably and and they and they and they sh shouldn't have taken out the disc in that case. This goes like ten times for functional medicine because we're working with things a lot more vague than than a back problem or or, or an obvious disc problem. So. Um, and the one thing we do, and the one thing we do in, in functional neurology, um, and again, I, I realize most of you are probably here for functional medicine, but, but this kind of crosses over. The one thing that we do there that really translates to, and this is not, this is not something that's commonly taught out there, so, I'm, so don't go asking your functional medicine doctors why I didn't do this. <laughs> we, uh, we actually evaluate the cerebellum. Okay, you can look up the cerebellum. It's like 80% of the brain uh, function is, 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 is directed by cerebellum. It, uh, or I should say 80% of the neurons in your brain are like in the cerebellum. It, it directs brain function. It has uh, projections into every area of your brain. It, if, if your cerebellum's off, um, 
you can get, and you're the person, you can get dizziness, vertigo, balance, migraines. You can get uh, the chronic neck problem, that's that stiff neck that causes, that causes uh, um, uh, suboccipital headaches, the tension headaches that people get. You can get blurred vision because it controls your eyes. <clears throat> you can get chronic stiff neck and, and chronic back pain that won't go away because it controls all of your spinal posture muscles, all things which we treat, right? This is one of those, why don't you tell me how to fix it? When you tell me the, the condition and you talk about vertigo and dizziness and balance, why don't you tell me how to fix it? Because it might be your cerebellum. How would I tell you that over online like this? And the cerebellum, and, and the reason it's so important to us uh, and the reason it should be important to more functional medicine doctors, although in all fairness, this is not taught in the functional medicine uh, classes, is that if you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis or autoimmunity, there's an awfully big chance that your cerebellum is going to get attacked. I'm not going to get into that. We have, we have, we have hours online on, on all of these things I'm talking about on powerhealthtalk.com. And, and we have all the peer-reviewed references and all the journal references attached. Uh, thanks to my former colleague who did all of this uh, research. And, um, and, and so it's pretty solid and we see it every day. So it tells us if that person's already been to the ear doctor, or they've been to the brain doctor, they've had the MRIs, they have the CAT scans, everything's normal. And all your they told, my doctor told me my cerebellum is normal. The MRI is normal, the CAT scan is normal. It's all normal. If we have, and then we have the patient close their eyes. We, we have a foam pad here. <laughs> So a lot, of your, a lot of your balance comes from your ankles, believe it or not. A lot of your stability comes from your ankles. So we have people stand on this foam pad to take that ankle stability out. We have them close their eyes and put their hands next to them. And half of our patients, we have to catch them before they hit the ground. They're in shock when they when that. I've had an Olympic athlete actually do that. And he was majorly in shock. That's a bad cerebellum. And if you have a bad cerebellum, it can be a contributor to all those things I just got done talking about. And, and sometimes it's because of all concussions, but m much of the time, it's because there's been an autoimmune attack against the cerebellum. In functional medicine, you should be dealing with global issues. You should be dealing with feedback loops. You should be dealing with vicious cycles. You should be dealing with organ systems. You're dealing with big global systems that are spreading out and causing a lot of problems. And so you should have a very, very clear idea of what those systems are by the time you're done with this. The reason why am I going through this? I'm kind of going through this so that you understand this whole series, so that you understand, you know, I, what what you should be getting. I think if you if if you're going to a functional medicine doctor, and 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 they're charging you what they're charging, and 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 they're treating you, um, you might want to know if this feels like uh, like I'm getting the full I'm getting the full service that you know, or or I'm or or if that somebody starts like feeling like they're, they're maybe guessing or stuff. It, it's likely because this hasn't been done. Because by the time you're done with this, you should have a, an extremely good idea of what's wrong with the person. Functional medicine should tell you what you need to know to treat. It shouldn't be, I gotta test this to find out what's wrong with you. In occasions, you certainly need testing to confirm. But as you could probably understand, you have a pretty good idea of, of, what, of what you're testing for. If you did this exam, you would probably narrow that down dramatically. Uh, this changed in the 1990s when the HMOs came in and we started having, I mean, I, mean, I remember I was in, I'm sitting here in Reno and I have a nurse in Chicago telling me how I need to treat this patient. At that time, we were doing insurance and that's why we don't do it anymore, okay? And, and I'm thinking, this is malpractice. 
But, and it was malpractice, but they've changed the laws to where it's not malpractice anymore to uh, treat somebody that you've never seen, haven't done an exam on, or haven't taken a history on. It's insane. But that's another story for another day. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.